Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Amen. And I'm so excited now to be able to share the word of God with you today and actually to talk to you about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Resurrection Sunday is the most important day of the Christian faith because it's the day that Jesus secured victory and life forevermore and forgiveness for all who would receive him. And Christian was quoting in the Bible that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then in a lot of ways, if, he, if there was no resurrection, then all of Christianity would be weak and powerless. There would be no victory. There would be no triumph if Jesus had not risen from the dead. But how many know, indeed, he rose from the dead in power and life. <laughs> Hallelujah. And see what's crucial about the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is its impact. You see, the resurrection of Christ had a spiritual, moral, uh, 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 judicial, uh, emotional impact on all humanity for all time. In fact, a religion, any religion, is only as good as its impact. A faith is only as good as its impact. A philosophy is only as good as its impact. But we're here to declare today that the resurrection of Jesus had incredible impact and continues to have incredible impact day after day, age after age. And actually that's the title of my message, The Resurrection Impact. That's what I wanna talk to you about over the next few moments. And I'm so mindful that there are even people standing in the lobby. Could you please keep standing for a few more moments as we walk through this very, very important truth today. You see, the resurrection impacts our eternity, our past, our today. And as far as eternity is concerned, when I say eternity, I mean when we die and then face God. Who gets into heaven? How do you get into heaven? Okay, that's a, huge, that's a huge question to be asking ourselves. And you know what? It is something that people think about more often than we acknowledge. People, all, there are so many opinions about how someone gets to heaven. And what I want to do is give you the two basic opinions. When people come to church on Resurrection Sunday on Easter, they should have stuff to think about. So we want to give you some stuff to think about. And what I want to say to you is that we have to judge between the varying opinions out there. And there are basically two. The first opinion on how someone gets to heaven is really the world's opinion and the opinion of, of virtually every religion except Christianity. They're all based on the same things. And then the other opinion is actually the biblical opinion. And what I want to do is I want to play two video clips for you that talk about the world's opinion. How do they think about getting to heaven? The first one is kind of a, honestly, it's a little bit of a mockery of heaven. 
you know. But it is the way they say it. It's the way Hollywood depicts it. The second one is a little bit more true to life, and I'll talk to you about that in a moment. So listen to this very quickly. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to your first day in the afterlife. You were all, simply put, good people. But how do we know that you were good? How are we sure? During your time on Earth, every one of your actions had a positive or a negative value, depending on how much good or bad that action put into the universe. Every sandwich you ate, every time you bought a magazine, every single thing you did had an effect that rippled out over time and ultimately created some amount of good or bad. You know how some people pull into the breakdown lane when there's traffic and they think to themselves, ah, who cares? No one's watching. We were watching. Surprise! <laughs> anyway, when your time on Earth has ended, we calculate the total value of your life using our perfectly accurate measuring system. Only the people with the very highest scores, the true cream of the crop, get to come here to the good place. What happens to everyone else, you ask? Don't worry about it. The point is, you are here because you lived one of the very best lives that could be lived. And you won't be alone. Your true soulmate is here too. That's right, soulmates are real. One of the other people in your neighborhood is your actual soulmate, and you will spend eternity together. So welcome to eternal happiness. Welcome to the good place, sponsored by Otters holding hands while they sleep. You know the way you feel when you see a picture of two otters holding hands? That's how you're going to feel every day. That's what heaven is going to be like, otters holding hands while they're sleeping. So there's a score. There's a score according to most people. And what I want to do is bring you kind of one a little bit more real life. This was a little, probably a little less than a week ago. And um, I don't know if you've been following the final four, but Loyola Chicago made it all the way to the final four. Amen. Go Loyola. I was really bummed. I watched part of the game they lost yesterday, but they were just amazing. But they've been the Cinderella story of the final four uh, uh, of this season in college. And um, they, they have, a, it's a Catholic university, so they have a nun who's like their chaplain. Who, and she's a 98-year-old nun. Her name is Sister Jean, and so she's been traveling with them along the way. And uh, there's a little clip of an interview where she's part of it, but I really want you to focus on what Charles Barkley says. Okay, listen to this real quickly. I, I like him when he, uh, like he, when he, talks as a sports announcer very much, but I don't want to see him play in the basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's retired, so I think you're I safe with I, that. I know he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can set something up. Chuck, there's still hope. Sister Jean, thank you very much, well, and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Jean, so, we all have limitations. Uh, I, listen, first <laughs> no, of all, she has this, great is, this is such I a like great her. story. Uh, I, first of all, listen, it was pretty much 80-20 on me going to the pearly gates the other way. So I'm not going to say anything bad about Sister Jean. 
I mean, <laughs> I, hey, it's going to be hard to make up that 80% in the you rest of the You wouldn't be helping yourself. I'm not going to help myself. I don't want to get a 20% away, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> so, Charles, I didn't like him as a basketball player either, but that's another conversation. <laughs> so, Charles Barkley believes he's got a 20% chance to get into heaven. That's his score. He's scoring 20 right now. What's your score? Have you thought about that? Standing in the outer lobby or standing along the walls? What's your score? Is that true? Is it true that in the end we get graded uh, uh, on everything? Well, that's the opinion of the world. And it's also the opinion of every basic religion except Christianity. If today you could leave here with clarity on this issue, we would have done right by you. You see? Because I'm about to share very simply a few verses out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that are really good news. Okay? God's opinion of this matter is better than the world's opinion. You ready? Listen. Let's look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, for what I received. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is of first importance when it comes to Christianity in the Bible. And it says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was everyone raised on the third day. That's what I'm talking about. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Could we put our hands together one more time? Now, the world's opinion is that you and I have a score, okay? God's opinion was that you and I, if we were scored, we would fail. The Bible says no one is righteous, not even one. The Bible says no one can score high enough. But God loved us so much, he cared for us so much that he sent his son to this earth. His son was the perfect lamb of God. He never sinned. He was perfect. You see, he was pure and holy. And what he said is, I will take Al Toledo's place so that Al Toledo won't be able to, you can't judge him twice. You see, so I'll take his place. I'll take your place. The, the, the pure died for the sinner, and the sinner was set free because the pure was punished for the sins of the sinner. How many are thankful for that exchange? That's the gospel. So, so God's opinion is that he had to send his son to die for us. God's opinion was that his son had to come and pay the price that we couldn't pay. But he knew that his son would die and pay the price. But when he rose from the dead, he would rise with impact power on our lives so that we wouldn't have to stay defeated, so that we can walk in life and victory. How many would say amen with me today? Hallelujah. And so God's opinion is that he loved us so much that he paid the price that we could never pay. But he rose defeating all of our greatest, our two greatest enemies are sin and death. Jesus conquered them when he rose from the dead. Every enemy, enemy that you have falls under sin and death. And guess what? Jesus took authority over both of them. You see? And so let's keep going though. 
Now look at what happens. It says, he raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and made an impact on Peter's life. And then to the 12th. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. James was his half-brother. And he made an impact on his life. After he rose from the dead, he made an impact on, on the life of James. Then to all of the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Okay, watch this. For I am the least of the apostles, this is the apostle Paul talking, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. You see? But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Nor I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So here's what we've just read. Okay, what we've just read is that Jesus came to the earth to die for our sins. Everyone say, my sins. Because this is personal. Okay, just know this, okay. In the Old Testament, salvation was national. In the New Testament, salvation is personal. You see, it's, it's his heart for your heart, his life for your life and mine. It's personal. Jesus died for our sins. But then he rose from the dead in power. When he rose from the dead, he rose in victory. And then Jesus said, I came, okay, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and life to the full. And so when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead to make an impact. An impact. Standing on the wall, Jesus wants to make an impact. Standing in the outer lobby, Jesus wants to make an impact. Jesus rose from the dead. And the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, in the same way there are a variety of opinions in regards to how someone uh, uh, um, gets to heaven... There are also a variety of perspectives as people look at who Jesus is and who Jesus was. And there's a very specific reason why Jesus highlighted the people that he highlighted in this passage. And I want to pray for one moment because I, I want to uh, suggest to everyone that, that you will fall in one of these three categories. All of us do. Okay? And this message is, look... You did not come to church today, okay, to have like nice feelings and say, hey, you know, I'm here because grandma brought me and I want to be nice to her. Then we're going to Golden Corral afterwards. <laughs> you know, buffet special, right? I hop. No, 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 no. Please, would you just take one moment and pray? I won't talk for about 20 more minutes. We're done. But could you just take one moment and pray and think about how Jesus may want to impact your life? Wherever you are, come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and this time. And I thank you for the personal nature of 
the relationship that we can have with you. I thank you, Lord, that even though we are a, a group, a mass of people today, in your eyes, we are your individual children. And you want to have an individual relationship with us. Some of us, Lord, have had broken relationships all of our lives, even with our parents or grandparents. But, Lord, you're the friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are the faithful God. You're the everlasting Father. And you never leave us nor forsake us. So, Lord, would you do something fresh and new? And would you release the impact of the resurrection upon every heart today? We trust you to do it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. So there are a variety of perspectives and personalities uh, um, when it comes to God and his impact on their lives. And so the Bible walks through different people and it actually begins with Peter. And Peter was the man who promised big but delivered little. Okay, if you look at the life of Peter, Peter walked with Jesus. He became, he was one of the first disciples. But Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth because Peter always felt like he could do more than he could. Oh, snap. Peter always felt like he could do more than he could. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, is that we all get to a place in life where we realize that we don't have enough strength to be right with God. You see, a lot of us have made lots of promises to God and we even make promises to people that we love. And we make promises to them and we make promises to them and we try to do right by them, by them but in the end we let them down. And you know why? Because in ourselves we don't have enough strength. Jesus came down to the earth and he offered his life because he knew that we would never have enough strength to do it on our own. We needed him. But praise be to the living God, even though we can't deliver, how many know Jesus can deliver for us and through us by his mighty power? Hallelujah. You see, the Lord is able to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. The impact of the resurrection is on the person who, let's say, is addicted to alcohol. And you're like, how in the world do you get free from that? Well, there's resurrection impact that can set you free. Hallelujah. How does someone get free from anger or free from bitterness or free from this or free from that? Jesus came and he said, whom the sun sets free, it's free indeed. Hallelujah. But what we have to understand is that we can promise all we want when no one is good enough. And no one has enough strength. And what's beautiful is all other religions say, no, no, you got to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Christianity says, stop trying. Just receive the free gift of salvation that is found in Jesus. You see, Jesus rose from the dead to make an impact on our lives and we have to recognize that the truth of the matter is, is that we can't do this in our own strength. The beautiful thing about the resurrection, last thing I'll say about Peter, is that Jesus came to change the power source. 
Jesus came to be the strength that we could never be. He came to be the power that we could never possess on our own. And so Peter, when you look, on the night that Jesus was crucified, Peter promised Jesus that he would never leave him, that he wouldn't let him down. On that same night, he called down curses and denied him. But guess what? Who's the first one that Jesus appeared to when he rose from the dead? He went right to Peter because he's rich in mercy and he's rich in forgiveness and he's rich in love. Hallelujah. That's what makes Christianity so beautiful and so wonderful. There's no story like this. We mess up, but he keeps on loving us. You see, he keeps on loving us. Just know if you've messed up, if you've promised to mess up, he still loves you. You see, you're in his house, you're not rejected, you're welcomed. You're welcomed in the house of God. And it doesn't matter. Then there's James. So James was the half-brother of, of Christ. And James was the man who could only look with natural eyes. See, the Bible highlights that he appeared to James... Because if you look at, at the history with James, James, when Jesus was born of a virgin, the Holy Spirit appeared to his mother Mary, and she was a virgin, and the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, okay? And the Bible says the power of the Most High came upon her and made her pregnant. One time in history, only one time, once and never again, was there an immaculate uh, conception, God made her pregnant with his very own son. And that's why he remained pure, because the seed was pure. When Adam fell, all the seed became impure after that. But the pure seed of God came and resided in a woman and she carried him. Now when she gave birth to Christ, she had a husband. They had natural relations and then they had children. And so Jesus grew up with brothers and James was one of his brothers. And the Bible records that they couldn't get their head around the fact that Jesus was the son of God, even after he started doing miracles, his own brothers started to mock him and say that he was crazy. James was the kind of guy that probably would have been a pretty good scientist. He would have investigated the facts. He would have written them down. He would have forged a hypothesis, you see. And then he would have tested and tested and then he would have created a theory. That's the scientific way, you see. James was the guy who only could see what could be tested. But see, brothers and sisters, you and I have to recognize that you can't put everything in a test tube. You can't put love in a test tube. There are certain mysteries to this life that can't be put in a test tube. Science is not the reigning authority of all things. Science is on its own journey. In fact, I was blown away this week as I was studying for this. All of a sudden, it started to uh, splash across all of the, the major uh, news outlets. Uh, um, uh, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Scientific American. I, I read it first in National Geographic. Here's the way it ended up in USA Today. Listen to this. Study says that we have an undiscovered organ. It's called the interstitial. <laughs> Anybody read this this week? Can I see your hands? All right, come on. Look out, read the news a little bit, guys. Okay. 
So here's what they're saying. After all the MRIs and all of the EKGs and all of the CAT scans and all of these things that we've invented, after all of the study, all of the research, University of Chicago, Northwestern, after all of them, all of these great, John Hopkins University, all of these great institutions of study, we are, we know our stuff. Guess what? They just realized there's another organ. Oh, everyone say, oh, snap. See? So I'm talking about. Science does not retain authority over us. You see? Now, as Christians, we don't mock science. We don't belittle science. And here's why. I want to put a verse up for you that I think is so marvelous and fantastic. I love this verse. Look at this. It says, this was written thousands of years ago. Okay, look at what the Bible says. It's God's privilege to conceal things, and it's the king's privilege to discover them. You see, you know what science is? Science is God giving men the privilege of discovering his magnificent, marvelous, amazing works. Hallelujah. When you look at the design of all of these, of the human eye and the human ear, how in the world could you say that just popped out of nothing? You see, no one would buy that. I've said this all the time. If your son drives up to the house with a Beamer and he says, oh, and you're like, where'd you get that car in the, in the, um, in the driveway? Dad, guess what? You know, you taught me about evolution, things just big bangs. It just popped into existence and the keys were in the car and so I took it. What would you say? Oh, yeah, of course. If the, if the whole world was created, BMWs could just be created. How many of them not? So why do you why do you reject that and then, and then actually believe that this world is not created and designed by the marvelous, amazing, masterful creator? Hallelujah! And we still, we still don't know all of the species in the oceans, of, all the species of fish. We still haven't discovered all of the species of trees. So we need to recognize, listen, we're not mocking science, but here's what we are doing. We are challenging you not to give science and skepticism the authority that it should not have in your life. Okay? Because some things have an element of mystery. And look at how this is a great philosopher, a great, this a highly educated man, Mortimer J. Adler said this. He said, my chief reason for choosing Christianity was because the mysteries were incomprehensible. What's the point of revelation if we could figure it out ourselves? If it were wholly comprehensible, then it would just be another philosophy. You see? But there are certain things you just can't put in a test tube. And I'm telling you right now, if the, if the musicians could come, listen, I want to tell you something very quickly. Christianity, Christianity has been verified and acknowledged by historian after historian after historian that were not believers. Okay? So there were many, many people who talked about Jesus Okay, Edward Givens, who wrote The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, wrote about the miracles of Christ, and he wasn't a believer. Okay, 
There was a, a, a Dr. Simon Greenleaf out of Harvard Law. He was the, the, one of the, 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 the key writers of a textbook on, on, uh, on, on the, the criteria for evidence for a court case. And here's what he said, okay? This is Harvard Law. He said, you may choose to say that you reject the resurrection. You may not choose to say that there is enough evidence to prove there was a resurrection because there's more than enough evidence. Can we put our hands together and say amen? You see, but Jesus, Jesus came for the powerless and Jesus came for the skeptical. You know? Even for the people who didn't believe, he says, James, open your eyes. Okay. The Bible, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. The mind cannot conceive the wonderful thing that God has in store for his people. You know what that means? That means even if you're skeptical of him, when he formed you in your mother's womb, he formed you with a purpose, and it's a beautiful one. He formed you with a loving plan. And maybe your life has been difficult and hard. Listen, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, the new has come. You know, can everybody in this church be wacko? You know? You know, we, when, when it gets warm, our kids play baseball. They play soccer. We grill brats just like everybody else, you know. No, it's just a revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he rose from the dead in power. And he wants everyone to know that he loves them with an everlasting love. And then here's the last, here's the last personality. Okay, the last personality was the Apostle Paul. And Paul was actually the greatest human enemy of the early church. When Jesus rose from the dead and, the, and, the, and had his disciples and he sent them out, the apostle Paul was grabbing them and throwing them into prison. The apostle Paul lived as an enemy of God. And you know what? God took the guy who was his biggest enemy, knocked him off a horse, got a hold of his heart, and made him his greatest servant for his glory. Hallelujah. Who in the world would take the guy who hates him and say, I love him so much that I'm going to grab him and I'm going to use him the most? Only the love of Jesus. See, there's no story like Christianity. There's no story like the story of Jesus. There's, it's, it's amazing that he would be willing to forgive us and not only forgive us, but, but more than forgive us. Give us new life and purpose. Look at what C.S. Lewis said about this. This is so powerful. C.S. Lewis said, it costs God nothing so far as we know to create nice things. Okay? It doesn't cost. God is so powerful making nice things is no problem for him. But check this out. But to convert rebellious wills cost him crucifixion. You see? So the person who's, who's been rebellious, and maybe you've had a rebellious week against God. 
Maybe you've been living as the enemy of God. Maybe this past week, you've done things that it's like nobody, nobody ought to know. But guess what? He died to wash you clean and to welcome you right here, right now. That's who he is. There's no one like Jesus. Could we put our hands together and bless him? Hallelujah, there's no one like Jesus. Hallelujah. It's almost, you know, so funny. It's almost unnerving to hear that. It's like, really? Do you know when I was a kid, and I'll close with this story. When I was a kid in the, I grew up in New York, and in the 70s, there was this thing that came over the city because a guy started just shooting people random, and they called him the son of Sam. Anyone remember the son of Sam? Oh, snap, a lot of you youngsters. It was bad. It was bad. It was, it was, I was 10 years old, and as soon as it started to get dark, I would run upstairs because people would just ran, especially women with, I think it was dark hair. Women in the whole city, women were dyeing their hair blonde because women with dark hair were being gunned down. And, and there, was, there, was, there was just something incredible going on, and the whole city was brought to its knees, paralyzed. Well, anyway, they caught the son of Sam, and uh, they took him, and they gave him 300 years. Okay, and uh, the son of Sam was locked up in upstate New York. We actually had a brother in our church who when he first got locked up, he was actually locked up too. And he bumped into him and he said when he bumped into David Berkowitz, he bumped into him, he said it was like such powerful evil coming out of him that it scared him. You know, it was like the most, it was like crazy. It was like pure evil emanating. Well, someone kept giving David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, a Bible, and finally one day son of Sam opened his Bible and he read it and he got on his knees in the prison and he gave his life to Jesus and he was completely transformed, washed, forgiven. I'm talking about a miracle unlike anything you've ever seen. And then he became the chaplain in the prison and still is. And listen, you know how I know this? It's because I talked to him. So it's crazy because... Uh, uh, Pastor Simler, the church that I used to go to is, is a pretty well-known church and somehow they connected and they talked and I was at Pastor Simler's house, my father-in-law, and he called. And I picked up the phone and I spoke to son of Sam. And he's like, hey, brother, how you doing? And I'm like talking to him and all this kind of stuff. And he was an absolute man of God. And he was talking about Jesus and talking about people getting saved in prison and all that. And the funny thing, I'll never forget this. The funny thing is that David Berkowitz talked to my father-in-law later. And he says, hey, man, I talked to your son-in-law. He's got a good spirit. I'm like, the son of Sam said, I have a good spirit? But how many know you could be the son of the devil, but you become the son of hope and the son of life because of resurrection impact. It's resurrection impact. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, resurrection impact. It doesn't matter what kind of evil, what kind of sin, what kind of darkness, resurrection impact, hallelujah. It doesn't matter where you've been, Jesus has already been to that dark hell and he shed his blood to set us free because when the sun sets free, it's free indeed. Hallelujah. There's no religion, no philosophy, no personality ever to walk the earth like Jesus Christ. No one. You see, 
And you may feel like my life, my life looks so backwards. It doesn't matter how backwards it is. You understand? We're talking about the power of the almighty God to set men free. Would you agree that if he rose from the dead and if he defeated sin and death, wouldn't you agree he's got enough power to deal with our stuff too? How many would say amen with me? Hallelujah. So, okay, in the outer lobby, on the wall, sitting down, everyone listen closely, okay? So, it's not by the score, okay? It's not by some, some calculation. It's by how the resurrection impacts your life. See, the Bible says, to them that believed, okay, he gave them the power to become sons and daughters of God. It's just putting your faith in Jesus. It's accepting that the Son of God paid the price for you that you could never pay for yourself. It's accepting that God loved you enough that he sent his son to come to this earth to die. When you accept that and when you say, yes, Lord, I want to have that relationship. You think Jesus came to the earth and died on the cross so you could go to church a couple times a year? Or even once a week for that matter. No, he died so that we would have a relationship with him. He died to have personal, close relationship with us. How close? The Bible says we open up our hearts and he comes by his spirit and we're born again. He actually lives inside of our heart. How many would say that's beautiful and wonderful? That's right. One day... I was 17 years old, I was on a baseball field, I opened up my heart and Jesus came in, okay? It doesn't have to be a church, but there has a moment in time where you start a relationship with God. And Jesus brought everyone here, it's not by coincidence, you see? It's because he wants to either start a relationship or strengthen our relationship with him. So I just wonder if everyone, just close your eyes for a moment. Because why? Because we want to, everybody can get private. Even in the midst of all of these people. I wonder if there's anyone here that while I was talking, you recognize, man, I've never had a relationship with Jesus. I know about Jesus. I've been to church, but I've never really started a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says, I stand at the door and I knock. Jesus knocks at the door of our heart. And he says, anyone that opens the door, I'll come in and I'll be with him forever. All we have to do is open the door to Jesus. And today is the day where he's knocking on hearts afresh and anew. And if you're here today and you've walked through the the doors of this building and while I was talking, you could feel him knocking. Whether it was when I talked about Peter or James or Paul, it doesn't matter who you can relate to, but the truth of the matter is, is that you recognize that Jesus came because he loved you and his love is so great that he wants to live with you, the friend that's closer than a brother and he's knocking on the door of your heart right now. And today you wanna open the door and start that relationship with him. If that's you, in the privacy of this moment, 
and you want to accept Jesus, you want to let him in so that he'll be with you forever. Just like I did one day when I was a 17-year-old and other people do it at different times and different places. But this is your place. This is He's knocking right now. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? I just want to thank you. Hands are going up all over. Raise them nice and high, please, and hold them up high just so that I could see them for a few moments. Thank you. Hands are going up all over the building. Every eye closed, and let's just focus on the Lord. I don't want anyone to miss out on this moment. If the Lord is knocking, that's not a man, that's not a preacher, that's the Holy Spirit. If you're on the wall or if you're in the outer lobby and Jesus is knocking, I want to ask you, will you open the door to Christ? Open the door of your heart and say, yes, I want to receive your forgiveness and I want to begin that relationship. I'll wait just, just 10 more seconds. Just lift your hand if the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. You can put your hands down right now. Now, here's what I'm going to do. In the outer lobby, pray here. Pray along the walls. I'm going to lead everyone in a prayer. Let's pray this prayer together. I'm leading you because you've never done this before. But Jesus is going to hear your heart of faith as I help you. Come on, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this Resurrection Sunday. I celebrate your coming to the earth and living a holy, pure life and then going to the cross for me. Thank you, Lord, for dying in my place, for paying the price for my sins. Forgive me, Lord, and wash my heart clean. Remove guilt and remove shame. I open up the door of my heart to you and I invite you in. Sit on the throne of my heart and be my Lord and my master, my savior and my friend. Thank you for receiving me even as I receive you. Amen. Could we give a resurrection shout? Hallelujah! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, I want to congratulate you to them that believed, okay, to them that called upon the name of the Lord just like you did. He gave them the power to become sons and daughters of God. You're a child of God. Jesus lives in your heart. He will be there forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. All of heaven is rejoicing because of the decision that you just made. And listen, if you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, one of our ushers gave you a box. That box has a Bible in it and a card and a note and a couple of other things to help you start your walk with God. We would love, the pastors are gonna come to the front. If you would just come, if you, if you accepted Jesus, we'd love to come and shake your hand. If you just come to the front for two minutes, just come up. We'd love to shake your hand and get your name and say hi to you at the end of the service. But come on, let's put our hands together one more time. Everyone stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Christ alone, call on earth.
Now listen, I want to pray a prayer of dismissal, but I want everyone to pay attention for the next moment. Resurrection isn't for people who open their heart to Jesus for the first time. How many know resurrection is for everyone year after year after year? Jesus wants to make a powerful impact. So listen, real quickly, every year, this has been 11 years in a row, every year I get a, a little note from a Christian. 11 years ago we were meeting at a school and there was a Christian who was really twisted in their thinking. They became a Christian, but they did not have victory. They were twisted in their thinking. They came from a broken home, a very broken home. Lots of torment, lots of battles, all kinds of struggles. And it was on a Resurrection Sunday that they opened up their heart to resurrection power. And then God began to do this incredible miracle of transformation. No more depression, no more confusion, no more this, no more that. Then the addition of blessing and here. And I just got it and said, hey, I'm about to get married, you know, in this coming year. God has so transformed my life and, and he's blessed me so much. Because you know what? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. And today, today, I don't want anyone here to leave without fresh resurrection impact. You see, maybe you've been serving the Lord for 30 years. How many know God still wants to strengthen and empower and bless? So look, take the hand. In fact, join hands across the aisle. Take the hand of someone right next to you. We're going to close in prayer. And as we close this time of prayer, I want you to be mindful of the fact that Jesus wants to release resurrection power into that hand that you're holding. Okay, and as God looks down on the day that we celebrate his rising, wouldn't it make his heart glad that we as his children would pray one for another? He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Come on, pray right now for resurrection impact in someone's life. You don't have to know them, but pray it. Just ask God to move by his mighty power. Let every person be touched from the front to the back, oh God. From, from wall to wall, oh God. Let every life, let marriages get touched with resurrection power, oh God. God, let emotions be touched with resurrection power today, oh God. God, if someone is in bondage to some kind of ungodly habit, break the chains of bondage today. Alcoholism, addiction of any type, in the name of Jesus, we pray for resurrection power and impact right now. From front to back, from side to side, loose your mighty power upon your people, oh God. Touch marriages, touch relationships, touch single people today, oh God. Touch emotions, touch bodies, touch homes. God, touch us, oh God. We can do nothing without your mighty power. Release your power, oh God. And we thank you. We thank you that the resurrected King is resurrecting each and every one of us. And everyone said, Amen. Let's put our hands together. And